Welcome to Are You Fucking Shitting Me? I'm April. And I'm Rachel. Happy 2018, Rachel. Happy 2018. How's it going so far? Uh, good. I started class this week, oh. which is going to be great. And uh, I don't know, a whole new year, whole new everything, let's hope. Uh, let's hope. <laughs> it's going to be a whole new way we do our show. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, so we have a big announcement to make to everyone. Um, this is going to be our last episode of doing a show every week, although we haven't done one in a couple weeks because of the holidays. But um, we've decided we're going to try a little something new. What we're going to do is similar to what we did with our psychedelic three-part series. We're going to start creating series where we really do an in-depth look at a certain subject. April, do you want to tell people what our first subject is going to be about? Sure. What we're thinking is uh, probably doing two seasons a year mm -hmm. and then uh, 10 episode seasons. And the first season, we're going to be delving into the history of Los Angeles and uh, studying L.A. land barons. So names you might have heard of like Huntington, Pico. A lot of these are street names, and that's kind of where we wanted to go. You know, maybe you've heard of these street names and wondered why they've gotten these names. Uh, Arcadia. Uh, there's going to be a lot of really interesting people that we're going to be looking at. I'm really excited to hear a lot about Griffith and... Um, That's Griffith Park. For those who don't know. And Lucky Baldwin, because what a great name. What really excites us about this subject, guys, is a whole new look at the wild, wild west. We think of cowboys and Indians, but these are the people that shaped what we know as the West Coast, um, specifically in L.A. and Southern California. It's also going to kind of show you what land barons did and who they are, because land barons have essentially shaped every culture as they go in and build up something. So it's it's pretty interesting the way things happen when there are no rules. And the backstories of these characters uh, are pretty outrageous at times. And, th and there's a lot of shadiness. I mean, there's, there's a lot of um, shit that was done that wasn't on the up and up. There's some straight up scandalous shit you're gonna be hearing about. It's really fun. So today what we wanted to do is treat you to a little teaser of what we're gonna be doing kind of. Um, we wanted to visit one of the people who has been very influential in the beginning of Los Angeles, and that is Charles Lummis. Um, a lot of people may not know about Charles Lummis, but he was born in New England, raised there, and then he went to Harvard and dropped out. He actually went to Harvard with Teddy Roosevelt, mm -hmm. and then went to Ohio for a bit where he was a poet and a journalist. And then he headed out west to L.A. Imagine walking from Ohio to Los Angeles. Now imagine it's 1880s. That's 140 years ago. You're taking that stroll, just a little mosey, and you're sending dispatches along the way of your journey. That's what this dude did. And I think it took him 123 days. And by the time he got here, either he already had this L.A. Times job or when he set foot in LA he was given an editor job at the LA Times we heard two different things about that but anyway he became an editor at the LA Times and he was also a librarian uh, the head librarian at the LA Public Library he was a huge environmentalist and advocate for the Native Americans and he supposedly coined the term the Southwest well goddamn yeah. <laughs> And so today we are at 
a house that he built uh, known as the Lummis House. He built it with some of his Native American friends all out of Arroyo Stone. It was along the Arroyo River, which now is a not really a river anymore. It was cemented up in the 30s, part of the Works Progress Administration project so that there wouldn't be any flooding along here. Uh, and there's a big freeway here now, so which you might be able to hear in the background. I had no idea that the river was covered up for the WPA. Yeah, That's interesting. Yeah, that was how it happened. And there are still um, dozens of streams under all of this land here in northeast L.A., if they were to refurbish those, make them working streams again, um, I heard some, I was on some tour of this area once, and the tour guide said that, I don't know, some, some large percentage of L.A.'s water could be gotten from those streams. That's amazing because you will learn in this series how much water, water rights and water battles have really shaped California, specifically Southern California. Yes, that means we will be talking about Mulholland and Chinatown. <laughs> oh boy. Can you, for people that don't know, uh, Arroyo Stone, what does that mean? Oh, Arroyo Stone are the stones that are found by the Arroyo River, which is what we're near. So I think I think maybe a lot of rivers have stones, mm -hmm. and so these are just the stones that were gathered by the Arroyo River. And so he built this house with some of his Native American friends in the early 1900s. And at the same time, he set up a museum, the first museum in Los Angeles, the Southwest Museum, to house and showcase uh, Native American art and artifacts. That's so cool. That's so cool. All right, well, let's take a look around. Maybe we can find someone who uh, works here. I'm Dylan Myers. I'm the docent here at the Lummis House. And can you tell us a little about the history of the house and the history of Lummis? He was an um, advocate for American Indian rights, for the celebration and preservation of Spanish and Mexican culture in the Americas. Um, he was an editor for the LA Times, a city librarian for Los Angeles, um, archaeologist, poet, editor, publisher, all-around interesting guy. And um, he built this house largely by himself. Amazing. It's really beautiful. And, and when did he start building it and when did he finish? I believe about um, 1898 he started building it and it took about 12 years to complete. Um, mostly he kind of worked on it when he could. He also had um, two young men, I believe from his Leta Pueblo, that would come out for summers and help him out as well. Wow. And so did he live nearby while the house was being built? While the, the main house was being built, there was a redwood shack that he lived in on the property. It would have been uh, just about there. Wow, with his family? I met with his family. They all lived in this kind of one-room shack that he built while the rest of the house was being constructed. Before that, um, he had a house near USC in the city. Did he build most of the, so like all of the, any of the... Um... All the built-in stuff is Lummis' original work, um, with the exception of a couple cabinets. Um, but everything you see with the kind of rustic finish is Lummis' own work. He specifically used a... Um, adds instead of a plane for the woodwork to make it look more rustic. He called it a moonlight finish. We know he was a big conservationist and I see he's with Teddy Roosevelt here. That's Do right. you have any knowledge about their relationship? Or Oh absolutely. Um, they went to Harvard at the same time. Um, Roosevelt was in the year ahead of Lummis. Um, they interacted not really friends but they knew each other. Uh, Lummis eventually did drop out of Harvard. He had trouble with the trigonometry exam and just um, said he wasn't worth his time. 
when Roosevelt did um, assume the presidency, he did summon Lummis to Washington to be his advisor on Western affairs. So would he have he would have worked with the parks that we now have in California? He didn't really work with the parks so much. He was mostly interested in um, American Indian rights and affairs. Um, he was instrumental in ending the practice of um, kind of sequestering American Indian children at their uh, schools, and they weren't allowed to visit their families. For so he made able to, for ch children to visit their families during Christmas. Before that, children were kept for years at the schools. They'd come back home not speaking their own languages, unable to communicate with their family members. So he helped put an end to that practice. He helped put an end to the forcible cutting of American Indian men's hair. And then California, he was instrumental in helping create the Apollo Reservation in San Diego County. Great. That's a lot. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. So look at this. Isn't this neat? Oh, that's gorgeous. So what we're looking at is a window, and within the glass panes, so the glass panes are divided up into many boxes or many panes, and within some of the panes are these gorgeous pictures. That is Mexico on the far left. Okay. This is southwest in, southwest in the middle. Okay. This is Peru and Bolivia. Oh, got it. Okay. And that was put there from a long time ago? Oh yeah, a lot. Some of these are from the late 1800s, the pictures. Because that's when he was doing photography. Yeah. He started doing it. That is beautiful. Those are beautiful they're, images. They're done with positives. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Yeah. And the thing is, with Lamas, we have the original. Yeah. We have the original, so eventually we will have to have them replaced. And we can because we have the originals. The thing is with this house, we have all his notes. He took notes on everything, even things he shouldn't have been writing about. Uh -oh. <laughs> I'll, leave it, I'll leave it at that. Oh no, I want to hear that. <laughs> we, have, we have receipts of things most old places don't have. We have receipts. Whoa. We have receipts for the wood on this house. Yeah, he was quite a womanizer character. and yeah, a character. That's a good way to say it. Don't say it yeah. nicely. Yeah. Did he document all that stuff? Yes. Ooh. Even like I say, even stuff that aren't shouldn't have been documented or do is documented. Amazing. Oh, that's the built-in fireplace. Wow, so the fireplace, uh, the surround are, are two logs and some shelves. There's just these gorgeous rustic touches and the walls are made of adobe. Really cool. Oh, what the heck would that have been? The secret passage to hide people downstairs. It, it's a closet that looks like maybe it was a wine cellar or something, but it also looks like maybe it goes into a basement where they could have hidden things. Totally looks like and that. people. So this would have been the kitchen. Oh, this is the kitchen. Wow. It also just feels incredibly cool in here, even though it's a little warm outside. Oh. It's nice and cool in here. Here are some basement photos where we just. Oh. Okay, and it looks like there's a way to get down to over on the side of the kitchen as well. So the basement was used to store coal, root vegetables. And it looks like he also did some of his photography down there. It sure does. So there was photography equipment there and uh, wire and clips for drying prints. What an interesting man this guy was. Yeah. Oh. Here's and his TV each room. Yeah, here's his TV room, <laughs> yep. 
is so cool. Yeah. There's fireplaces in like every room. Look at this tiny door. People were so small back then. <laughs> um, can we open these doors? Oh, wow. Look at this. And another fireplace, love and a fire. They're easy lit, but to keep either, wood to it. <laughs> That's Even pretty then, funny. I'm a little bit racy with that wood, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. And this in the back, there's a couple of guest houses and a courtyard, and it kind of looks like an old west scene or something. So we're by the 110. That was the first. Freeway? That was the first freeway. One of the first freeways in the country. Yeah. I think. Uh, both Highland Park in California and Highland Park in Michigan were the two places where there were the first freeways. Really? I could be talking out my ass, but, you know, that's what I remember Listen, learning. April, I like it when you're talking about your ass or out your ass. I don't care either way. <laughs> Thanks. Um, for those of you who have not been on the 110, it's clearly meant for cars that could not go that fast. Uh, the on-ramps are off-ramps are hazardously short <laughs> they're ridiculous uh yeah they were meant for cars that couldn't go fast and also for not very many cars so these are super cool wow and the grounds are just really pretty too i mean it's obvious there's been some neglect you know but um and it's been winter time but there's beautiful native succulents and cactuses and also some beautiful old trees as well it's really nestled in a part of town you wouldn't expect to see this little kind of park um, yeah. it's surrounded by houses it's not a huge estate no it's not it's very rustic and it's beautiful but it's not yeah it's not like a gigantic like some the Huntington mansion or anything no which is insane but it's still really prettyish and beautiful. It's it's really beautiful. And doesn't it have just a great energy? Supposedly his ashes are here on the site. Oh. It feels like a secret garden, the secret garden. It really does. Yeah. All right, should we head over to the Southwest Museum yeah, and check out the first museum in Los Angeles? I would love to. So we're now at the Southwest Museum, and uh, Rachel's found out some really interesting information about Lummis. Um, yeah, so I picked up some pamphlets at, <laughs> at his house, and I thought it was nice that the um, walk he took, that little stroll, was called the Tramp Across the Continent. Um, but what was really interesting to me was he was shot by a hitman while he was in New Mexico, and they never identified the assailant. I wonder who was out to get him? Uh, everyone, apparently. <laughs> uh, maybe because he, uh, apparently he was posed to having works of fiction um, as a city librarian. So he wanted to only have nonfiction books in the library. He changed his mind later about that. Yeah, and parties were frequently held in his house that we were just at, and the parties became known as the noises. 
<laughs> That's pretty great. Well, this is also an incredibly magical spot. So the Southwest Museum is in a part of Los Angeles called Mount Washington. And so Mount Washington was kind of a getaway for people who lived in downtown Los Angeles, and they would come out here to their hunting lodges and hunt. Really? So this was their country estate kind of a thing? Not a state. <laughs> this, it was like uh, little shacks. Oh, like a little hunting lodges, not um, nothing, nothing grand. And it is a hilly area, you know, ergo the name or hence the name Mount Washington. Uh, so I could see a lot of wildlife being up around here. And I think maybe they brought in something. I don't know what they would have hunted. Maybe there were boar up here or something because there were boar around at some point maybe in this area. Long pig. Maybe they were just hunting lummis. <laughs> So the grounds here are just beautiful, and if you have never been here and you live in Los Angeles, you really should come. And you can actually take the train uh, directly here. There is a subway stop right across the street. So Angelinos really have no excuse for not coming here and checking this place out and supporting it. It's open every Saturday from 10 to 4. And you can see not only the beautiful grounds and the views from here, but the collections of Native Americans that Lummis collected way back at the turn of the century. So it's all Native American and Southwest art? I believe it's all Native American art. Okay, but he termed the name, but he coined the term Southwest and that's what this means, I guess. Yeah, to, I mean, because I don't think Southwest had that 80s uh, interior design <laughs> thing when he coined that term. Fair enough. Well, let's check it out. Oh, look at this awesome totem pole. Wow, this is incredibly beautiful. This looks like something that would be in the Northwest, right? It does look like a Northwest. There's a lot of form line elements to it. And um, that upside down man's dong is huge. <laughs> that is a big penis. I guess I should take a picture. It says what it is right there. It's a memorial pole. His pole deserved to be remembered. <laughs> there are two totems on that pole. <laughs> or rather, there are two poles on that totem. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Um, is it donation or, or is there a fee? I forgot. Uh, no, it's free admission. Okay. We have two galleries available, which is the three here and the one right downstairs, and our okay. garden out in the back. Okay, great. Okay, great. sure. Okay, great. thanks Thank so you. much. So we're in one of the galleries, and this uh, exhibit is about the evolution of Pueblo pottery, which is incredible, which starts with uh, a pot from the 1500s and goes all the way to contemporary Pueblo pottery, which is just beautiful. And so these are um, the Pueblo people who occupy nearly 30 villages in New Mexico and Arizona. So you can totally see how this evolved from, you know, these, even the, the pots themselves are kind of thrown in a rough sort of way and the uh, imagery on them is a little more rustic, but then by the time it, it gets to, you know, current or earlier in the century, 
I mean, it's this, it's the same motifs, but you can tell that it's been modernized and done again and again and learned throughout the, the generations. Wow, look at this. This is a potter from the 1930s. I love all the um, geometric shapes yeah. that are found on these. Like animals, sure, you see those, which is beautiful, but I yeah. love, it's just really interesting, the juxtaposition yeah. of, of animal and geom geometry. Well, and that they were freehanding all of this, and, and it really looks to me like, you know, like, like really good graphic designers, you know, like graphic yeah. designers. I've never been to the Southwest, have you? I love the Southwest. I, I love it. So, I, um, I, I used to have this fantasy of when I died, just having my body be left out in a red rock desert and let what have you will just feed off me and just be part of that. <laughs> I like that idea. I mean, I've often said, just throw me in the ocean and let sharks eat me, but I kind of like buzzards eating me too. That's I'm fine. I'm totally into buzzards eating me and, you know, whatever desert dwelling wildlife might, might be coming across. It's so cool. The, the um, stars at night are ridiculous. Like you can be alone and not feel lonely in the desert, which is really weird. One of the things that Lummis really wanted to promote was including Los Angeles and California as part of the Southwest. Wow, that's really interesting. It makes sense. I know that LA County is, I believe, technically a desert. Uh, it is very different. It's a different feel. I mean, Southern Utah, honestly, is it's like being on Mars. It's so cool. <laughs> uh, is that where Escalante is? I don't know. But Bryce Canyon, um, all of that area where you see those really, really red rocks. Um, yeah. yeah. And that's in New Mexico as well. I want to go to the White Sands Desert. We should yeah, do that. We should. I would love to take a... We should do a road trip to all Southwest. Right, let's do a Southwest road trip. Maybe our second series should be about the Southwest. Okay. So now we're heading downstairs to the other exhibit room. So these are uh, obsidian points like spearheads and things like that. So Lummis was an archaeologist too, so. Interesting, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you need trig for archaeology, but uh, he certainly found this Colombian mammoth tooth. <laughs> What's amazing to me is he's part of this group of people that's coming out you know, coming west, but he also has the foresight of wanting to preserve. Yeah, he doesn't want... Lost, potentially. He doesn't want to exploit it, which it seems like Huntington and some of the other people we're going to study wanted to do. Yeah, he seems much less exploitative of it. Yeah. There's a lot of foresight in, in trying to preserve. <laughs> so now we're in the courtyard and just taking in the view, which is beautiful. Rolling hills, and there's a giant flag out here that you can see from the freeway, actually, when you go by. It's kind of a nice landmark. And Rachel, one of the things I just read about, actually, uh, I read an article that the um, Los Angeles County Museum of Art and the Autry Museum, which the Autry is the museum that um, 
runs the Southwest Museum now, Mm -hmm. they have joined forces. And so the collections are going to be shared. So that could mean great things for the Southwest Museum. I know at one time there were plans to um, really refurbish the museum because it's badly in need of uh, retrofitting and a lot of um, renovation. And I think they ran out of money and it costs quite a bit to do that. So perhaps maybe something will happen. They had talked about opening a cafe here, as well as maybe a bar, which would be great for the neighborhood. It's such a beautiful location. It'd be amazing to see it well tended to and and to see the upkeep. And, and I mean, the, the architecture of the building itself is so beautiful. Mm. And then the collection itself is really important and really needs to be preserved and showcased. Yes. Uh, it looks like it's almost directly above the Lummis house. It's very close. Yeah, you probably can see it from here. I can't tell from this spot if we where we are. cut down all the trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Let's not cut down all the trees. No, let's not do that. <laughs> well, this was great. I loved learning about Lummis, and I hope that everyone listening enjoyed it. And, and I think our series is going to be really great, so I hope that you'll join us. We'll probably post it in... What do you think, April? Yeah, we're looking for spring release. And while Lummis has proven to be a conservationist and a pretty important person in preserving this area, we're going to be looking at some real bastards, frankly, and some that are kind of a little bit more complicated. Some people that have done a lot to preserve and a lot of raping and pillaging of the land. Um, (laughs) Don't know how negative I want to get on that because a lot of it is really interesting stuff. Um, I don't want it to sound like it's just scandals, but there are scandals. I think it's going to be really interesting. And along the way, you know, between now and April, we will probably be releasing a couple shows here and there just because there's stuff we find interesting and stories that we want to tell you and we want to share with you. So anyway, thank you for being part of our first year and we look forward to many more episodes and many more shows and hope you will enjoy the new way we're gonna do are you fucking shitting me so until then i'm april and i'm rachel bye